Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. We've begun a series here in Colossians talking about a new life that we can have in Christ. And it is true that the Lord says we come just as we are to Him. We look at Him as the one who can recreate us. And by placing our faith alone in Jesus Christ, then He then recreates us and we have a new life. But you know, when you have a new life, He also wants us now to have new relationships. And that's what He's going to teach us as we further our study in Colossians. We've already learned about having a new relationship in marriage. And so we've learned how the wife and her particular role is one that's supposed to be one that's going to be caring. And so that's an unselfish attitude and lifestyle toward her mate. But the husbands on the other side, they need to be loving. And it's interesting how that when a husband who really sets the pace in the family is unconditionally loving his wife, sacrificially loving his wife just the way that she is, how it makes it so much easier for her to submit to him. And especially if the husband is following the Lord, then she'll want to follow him because she knows that by following him, she too will be following the Lord. So it's that unselfish attitude toward one another, but especially for the wife in submission to her husband. But the husband now unconditionally loving his wife just the way that she is. But now today, we're going to continue our study and talk about having a new relationship at home. And I'm so glad that I can hear the, the laughter and see our boys and girls that are here today. And you parents that have your kids that are maybe with our children's ministry this morning, I'd like you to lean into this because I believe that really, even though they're not here, that you can carry on this message to them in a very special way. I have to tell you, Carol and I really love kids. Maybe it was because in our early part of our life, we could not have any children ourselves. So we ended up choosing to adopt two boys. And then we had a girl that came into our life. She was sleeping in a bus and needed a place to stay. So we brought her into our life. And almost every day, we get a phone call or an email from her. And we hear from the boys occasionally. And so again, I have to tell you, we love kids. And kids are really funny. Someone sent me an email recently about how Chloe they can be, little rascals. Here's one for you. A three-year-old went with his dad to see a litter of kittens. On returning home, he breathlessly informed his mother that there were two boy kittens and two girl kittens. Well, how did you know? His mother asked. And the boy said, well, daddy picked them up and looked underneath and I think it's printed on the bottom somewhere. So I don't know, but maybe that's how they, that kid f figured out how boy cats and girl cats are. Here's another funny one. A teacher was giving a lesson on the circulation of the blood, trying to make the matter clear. He said, now boys, if I stood on my head, the blood, as you know, would run into it and it would turn it red. My face would be beat red. Yes, sir, the boy said. Then why is it that while I'm standing upright in the ordinary position, the blood doesn't run into my feet? And a little fellow shouted from the back, because your feet ain't empty. <clears throat> One more for you teachers. I don't know. I have a place in my heart for you teachers. I don't know if I have that here or not. Uh, no, I don't. That's going to have to do right there on that, my little story. I'm not very good at joke telling. People say, you've got to lighten up, so I try to do that. But now I'm going to get serious about obeying for a moment here. Moms and dads, let me speak to this issue about being obedient and having your kids be obedient to you. I'm going to read a story a little bit about the life of George Washington. And we found that his mom, particularly his mom, but he had such an influence of mom and dad, spent a great deal of time teaching their children, the importance of obedience. 
The reason being is that if a child learns the importance of obedience when they're young and they learn how to live a lifestyle of working under authority when they get older, it makes life a lot easier for them and those who know how to work under authority then generally are given positions of authority because you can't be in authority if you don't know how to cheerfully operate under authority. And so what I'd like to share with you about the significance of obedience today for you parents is that I would like you to take that as one of your clarion calls of the importance of having your kids understand how serious it is for them to be obedient. And there are a lot of authority figures that can come into your kid's life. There are school teachers, the swim coach, people that are here in Sunday school. There are a lot of adults in their life that can help them and want them to be obedient. But the primary responsibility of inculcating that doctrine of obedience inside of them, that wonderful character trait, really comes from mom and dad. Now, if you don't mind for just a moment, it could be that this passage that says, loving and submissive, husbands love your wife and wives submit to the husband, might be the template by which the child then we'll learn about obedience. That if the child is looking for a model of what obedience ought to be, it ought to be looking at maybe mom and how she responds to mom and dad. The only difference is there are two different Greek words. One word is a word for submit and the other word is the word for obedience. When you deal with the word submit, that's a little different word. That's where the, the woman looks to her husband, sees that person who is worthy and in a position to obey, thinks through what is being asked of her and then chooses to submit. The word for the child is a little bit different, and if you follow along with that, you might see what it says here. You'll notice that the word obey here comes from a particular Greek word that means to continually to obey, and it means to listen attentively. Now, if I opened up all the scriptures that have that particular Greek word in it for the word obey, you're going to hear two separate things. Together, they make a beautiful symphony. One is that the child is taught to be listening to mom and dad. What are they saying? What are they not saying? What is the heart behind what mom and dad is wanting me to do? So it's the idea of getting them to focus on what is being said. The second aspect of that is, is where that they instantly and cheerfully obey. It becomes an act of obedience, not merely just an attitude of submission like the wife to the husband, but it is I'm to obey mom and dad when I feel like it, I'm to obey mom and dad when I don't feel like it, and I'm to obey mom and dad until I do feel like it. It is such a critical truth here. Now, some of you might be looking at this, especially the young people or those that are listening, when it says, children, obey your parents, and you're saying, well, that's not really for me. That must be for a child that's maybe in the preschool age or maybe the elementary age. The difference with that is that Greek word, techna, as you run that through Scripture, you will find that it's not referring basically to a particular specific age group. Generally, it is speaking to children, but it would be anyone who would be underneath the authority of mom and dad. It would be anyone who would be still living at home that would be responsible in some measure to mom and dad. So that means that if you're an adult child and you're living at home, that you have a little higher calling to be obedient in that family realm because you are at home. Now, there's a reference in Proverbs that says this. It says, listen to the voice of your father who has begotten you. And then it goes on to say and obey your mother when she is old. Now, when I got thinking about that, if I'm to obey my mother when she is old, does that mean I don't obey my mother when she's young? Well, that would not be the interpretation of it. Here's what that would mean. It would mean that if my mother is older, that must mean that I too am older. So even as an adult child, that I have a responsibility to obey my parents, especially if I'm living at home. Now, because we live in the culture of Hawaii right here, there are a lot of multifamilies living in one house. When Carol and I were looking for houses, they talked about multifamily dwellings so you could have many families living together. 
I understand the culture. Maybe it's more economics than pure culture of this. But I do know this, that it sets up for the home a great deal of tension when you've got a couple of head of households. You have dad, you have a husband in the house, and then you have different women in the house together. So how do you make all of that work? Perhaps that's why it says in Genesis that you should leave mother and father and establish a new home somewhere else, that that would then bring about peace. Now, does that mean you could never come and live together? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does remember the hierarchy of the family, who gets that support, and you have to work with the tension that will be created, and it should be for a temporary fix, not a permanent fix, so that eventually and soon, and your whole progress is to move out of that relationship. So, who's supposed to do this? Children. What are you supposed to do? Obey your parents. Notice the phrase that says, in all things. Now, obviously, there could be a time that mom and dad might ask you to do something that you think is wrong. Now, kids, listen to this. It is possible that you might have more information on an issue than maybe mom and dad have, and they're going to ask you to do something that you know is wrong. Perhaps about where to go or how to do this or whatever happens out there in life. And so you're now debating within yourself, do you still need to obey them? It's at that stage the young person should make a loving, patient, kind, timely, with the proper tone, appeal to mom and dad based on the greater information that you have rather than dissing mom and dad. But if it all is said and done and your mom and dad still want you to go in a particular direction that you might think is wrong and maybe even is wrong, you're to obey them. Now, I didn't say a direction that would be anti-biblical. If they're asking you to go steal from an ABC store, they're asking you to go tell a lie on the telephone or something. I'm not talking about things that are directly related in Scripture, but it does say to obey in all things. So what are we supposed to do? Obey them. And you have to obey mom and dad. Now, kids, I do realize that you will have multiple authority figures in your life. We spoke to that a moment ago. You will have a parent. You will have a soccer coach. You could have a pastor, could have a youth leader. You could have a Sunday school teacher. In our culture, you might have an auntie. You might have a grandmother. You might have other authority figures in your life. And so you're going to hear a lot of um, commands, you might say. You're going to have a lot of people telling you what to do, when to do it, where to go, how to go, and all of that. If you're looking to be able to see through the fog of all that information of commands then you want to listen to the greatest voice of all, and that would be the voice of your mom and dad. Now listen, if mom or dad tells you, do what your grandmother says, they then have relegated their authority to her or to the grandpa or to the auntie or to the uncle, and that's permitted to do that. Because ultimately you are obeying mom and dad because you're obeying them. Now listen, auntie and uncles here, be very careful that you don't set the child up for a little bit of schizo stuff. You know what your kids are telling you to do, but now you're going to tell their kids, your grandkids, that it's going to be contrary to what you know that your kids are telling them. All of a sudden, now you set those kids up for an inner conflict within them, which could then create bitterness, discouragement, a lack of following any leader, someone basically saying, who do I really follow? The best one will be me. And so now you have the low-grade infection of anarchy being developed in them. So it'd be good for the adults to get on the same page and talk things through before they give too much information to the young person before there's problems. Now notice what the reason is here. The reason why children obey their parents in all things, it says, this is well-pleasing to the Lord. I thought this was an interesting phrase. Kids, I would hope that by now that you've come through this study where you've said, all right, I have trusted Christ as Savior. I have surrendered to Him as the Lord. I have a new life in Christ. I now need to show to the rest of my family, watch this now, the rest of my family that I am a, a Christian with a new life and a new lifestyle and I need to build new relationships even with my mom and dad. You're also going to say that I've surrendered to the Lordship of Christ and I'm going to live a new life when I'm out in the world, at school, in my community events, my sporting events. So I am now going to show the world that I have a new life and a new relationship with mom and dad. 
Now, once you choose to do that and you surrender to your mom and dad, here's what the Lord does. Look up here. The Lord looks down from heaven on you while you cannot see it with your eyes. I want you to know he's going to do this to you. He's going to go, he's going to smile on you. Do you remember the verse, kids? When Jesus was baptized, before he launched his ministry, he came out of the water sputtering and sh you know, shaking off all the water. And when it was all done, there was a booming voice from heaven. And what did God the Father say to God the Son? He said this, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He said, This is my Son, here's the phrase, in whom I am well pleased. That same Greek term is the same one that's used right here. Just like Jesus experienced the smile of God upon him being baptized and launching into ministry, you can make God smile on you each time that you have a choice of whether or not to obey or disobey your mom and dad, and you choose to take the high road and obey them. And I really pray that you do. Now, I would say we ought to be glad that we don't live during the Old Testament days, kids. And I, I'm like you. I was Chloe when I was growing up. I could tell you all sorts of stuff that I did. And I still have the scars on my body. And I have worse, the scars on my mind of the times that I disobeyed my mom and dad knowingly when they knew it in times when even today they don't know the things that I've done. I regret that. I grieve that. Because God had to show me the importance of obedience through other means to get me to the point so I could be in authority as a pastor of a church or for some of you in business and having your own businesses. You have to learn that. But I will tell you, if I lived in the Old Testament and I disobeyed my mom and dad, I would be stoned to death. If I cursed my mom and dad openly, publicly, to their face, under my breath, I would be stoned. I would be it wouldn't be I wouldn't be allowed to be on email. I'd have to give up my cell phone. It couldn't be that I had to stay inside or get off the team. It would be that I would be dead. I'd be so dead, dead forever, that I would never have any future any longer. I would cease to exist just because, watch this, I violated the biblical principle and command to obey my mom and dad. Now, why was that? That must mean that there is an incredible premium and value upon the character trait of obedience that God would expire someone for just disobeying mom and dad. And what that does to the whole concept of forgiveness. Because obedience is so important. Even in the New Testament, it says those who are ungodly disobey mom and dad. So all you've got to do, the moment you disobey your mom and dad, one event or characteristic of disobedience, for that moment, for that duration, you are ungodly. In a sense, you could say you're anti-God because that is not like God for you to do that. And I know you don't want to do that. I know that you're saying, in my heart, I want to obey my mom and dad. I, it doesn't say obey mom and dad when they live well. It doesn't say obey mom and dad when they're not hypocrites. Obey mom and dad when they treat you right. It just says obey mom and dad. Now, some of you might be aware of the fact that I've been reading a little bit on the biography of George Washington. And I'd like to read this one, man, it's only a couple pages, on the, on the part that accentuated his obedience. This is coming out of a book called Leaders in Action series, The Apostle of Lib Liberty. The world-changing leadership of George Washington. And, and li listen to this. And, and parents, I want these kids to obey. God wants them to obey you more than even I do. But I will tell you, you could make it easier or hard for them to obey you. And we're going to speak to that in a moment. But right now, I'd like you to listen to George Washington. Because kids, the story I'm about to read to you is something that happened when he was 14. It wasn't when he didn't tell a lie, when he cut down the cherry tree, one when he threw a buck across the Potomac. It wasn't any of that. He was 14 years of age. He wanted to do something so badly, but his mom said no. And because he chose to obey her, it changed the course of your life and my life because through all of that, it brought him through that route to become president and we have the country we have today. And it's not all on this one thing, but that one thing did change his life. And here it is. Quoting, 
The training by Washington's parents provided him the essential qualities necessary to accomplish his destiny to lead. Washington was born to rule, and of first importance in preparation for this was his learning to obey. Now listen to that. In order to rule, you have to learn to obey. Washington was born to rule, and first was his learning to obey. Obedience is that quality necessary in anyone who desires to live free. There can be no liberty in a nation where there is not first a spirit of obedience. Our whole government system is really born upon a people group that should have within them a self-governor. And that self-government, that ability to make the right choices, really it was built upon a Christian principle because it's only Christians who have the power of the Holy Spirit and the knowledge of the Word of God to be able to self-govern them. And that's why this whole country is built upon that principle. So when we say we're built upon the principle of self-governing, it, 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 that's why we're haywire today because we have less Christians, less Christianity, less of those principles. And so people are governing themselves, but they're doing it all in the flesh and we've got almost chaos today. Obedience begins in the home and it underlies all the qualities that make a good son, a good soldier, and a good citizen. Poor Richard's Almanac recorded the primary importance of obedience. Here's what it says to parents. Let thy child's first lesson be obedience. And the second will be whatever you want after that. It goes on to say, Washington was taught from a young child not only to obey, but to obey cheerfully. Now that part I didn't understand. I knew he had a lot about the obedience part, but his mom and dad were talking to him about the importance of cheerfully obeying. You talk about ratcheting up a notch for parents, it's hard enough just to get them to obey. His parents were to teach him how to obey cheerfully. At age 14, he received a warrant to be a British midshipman, much like his brother Lawrence had been. Indeed, Washington sought the position because his brother had been in the Navy. Washington was eager to embark on this profession. Now, let me stop for a moment. I'm only reading you one little section of a chapter, but I'm going through this book, and he literally adored his mom and dad and his older brother named Lawrence. His older brother Lawrence took care of him because mom and dad died young, and he needed someone to take care of him, so Lawrence was going to take care of him a little bit later on in life, and so he just followed Lawrence all along. So he wanted to be just like his brother and go into the Navy. So it goes on to say, to embark upon this profession, but his mother objected. He had already sent his clothes to the ship. But when he came to see how opposed his mother was to his going to sea, he dutifully obeyed her wishes without any complaining. He obeyed cheerfully. The request of his mother certainly was providential. Washington's quality of obedience, which appeared to him at the time to relegate him to a life on the farm, by him saying, okay, I'll obey my mom, I won't go off into the Navy like my brother, means now that I'm going to be nothing more than a sod buster. I'm going to have to work in the yard 24 hours a day practically. I'm going to have to clean the poop out of the stalls. I'm going to have to have this life of sweating where I could have had this life of glamour on the high seas. And so he was fearing that that's the kind of life he had to have, but he did it anyway. And then it says here, assured he would be taking the path that would lead him to become the leader of the American cause of liberty. Now, I don't have time to go through this, but I'm going to give you two just verbal illustrations. One is this. There was a time that his commanding officer, when he finally was able to go into the army as an older person, told him to go lead a group of men to go do something. Washington did not feel it was the best thing for them to do, but he went ahead and cheerfully obeyed his commanding officer. By doing that, they won the battle and changed the course of that particular war effort with the French and Indian War. Later on now, you have George Washington. This gets real critical. George Washington then was supposed to obey what the, the desires and the designs of Congress was. He didn't always agree 
agree with them, but he knew from the character trait that it was the wisest course of action to take was to obey those that have the rule over you, and Congress did. So he cheerfully obeyed them. When he did that, here's the key. Congress then gave him literally unlimited power to run the military any way that he wanted. He took that power very gingerly and very humbly, and he used it. But as soon as the war was over, he quickly gave that power back to Congress and said, you can have it back. It's all yours now. So here's the lesson. Moms and dads first stepped up to the plate to teach their kids to obey cheerfully. The kids decided to embrace that for themselves, so they learned to obey cheerfully. When they were faced with the temptation not to obey, they still chose to do that. The end product was that person, Washington, and you can be a better person in the very end. Your future, really, the greatness of your future can depend upon the obedience that you give to mom and dad right now. And I pray with all my heart that our young people would learn to cheerfully submit to mom and dad. Now, kids, I want you to kind of think over that just a little bit. I want you to embrace that because someday you will be your father's son, if you know what I mean. You're going to be just like your dad. You're going to be just like your grandpa. Now, if you want to have these traits in you, take this truth and run with it. Become like a George Washington. Now, for you parents, I would like to set a climate in the home biblically that would make it so easy that your kids, they want to hear what you have to say. They want to follow your leadership. And so for the key word for fathers is don't. Keywords for the kids was to obey. What's the key phrase for the entire family? To have a caring relationship. So it says, fathers don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now some of you ladies that are seated out here today, you're saying in your heart, okay, I want my husband to wake up now. I want him to hear this. So you're going to kind of move a little bit to make sure he's focused. And I know that some of you are going to be thinking, dad's right on, hear this. And I do want to speak to the men. I, I have a strong passion for the masculine context, basically, because I am one and I... I realize how all of the struggles and challenges that we men have as people, partners, providers, you know, all that, parents. But I have to be true to the understanding of this passage. While your Bible probably says, fathers, do not provoke your children, the actual Greek word is a word that is often used as the word parents in general, male and female. So we can't merely lock in on the dads, but it does refer to both husbands and wives or moms and dads in this. The translation of Hebrews 11.23 talks about the same thing, except it uses the words parents there. So for right now, I'd like you to step up as a parent. Now, for a moment, because there are those that are listening on radio that you could be a head of household and you're a lady, I want you to know if you are head of household and you're the only one, there's no man in the house any longer, I want you to know that God will give you the grace and the power and the ability with His fullness to help you do these things that we're about to tell you right here and also not to do the things that you don't want to do. Those of you that are the men that are rearing your kids by yourself and your wife has gone AWOL for whatever reason and now you have a new life, I want you to have a new life. You have new opportunities to be the dad to those kids that they never will be able to have. You can have it right now. And God is promising that to you if you embrace these truths for yourself. Those of you that are, are childless right now, I know, Carol and I know what it's like to watch others have kids and we would like to have kids and the families get together for a family reunion and we sit there and we watch all of our brothers and sisters and our nieces and nephews and everybody's having a fine time then we go home to an empty house, just the two of us. We know what it's like. But you never know when God, when He says, you're ready now to be a father, not maybe birth them, but to be the father, be the mother. But you need to be ready. Why is it that we have to study and learn how to drive and pass a test to be able to drive a 2,000-pound killing machine but we can make babies in a, almost a split second anywhere in the country we want to, almost at any age that our, our body lets us? 
Why is it that? And it's these people that'll change the course of history that'll affect us. Well, it does. So moms and dads, let's see what we can learn from this for just a moment. It begins by saying provoke not. Let's just look at the word provoke. It actually comes from a phrase here that means don't nag. Isn't that neat? Don't nag your kids. And it's in the tense that says don't keep on nagging them. Carol doesn't have this problem as much as I do, but I know it's hard for you to believe, but sometimes I nag her a little bit. You know, sometimes I have to remind her. It's not, I never nag her. I just have to remind her. And so after I've reminded her on something maybe twice, do you know how Carol comes back to me? You know what she, she, she does? She looks at me in the face and she goes, nyet, 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 nyet. you know? And when she goes, nyet, 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 I know, uh-oh, I must be nagging. So I would have to tell you, maybe it's a dad trait, maybe it's a man trait, I don't know what it is, but we think moms are the nyet, 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 nyet nags. But I don't know that that's necessarily the case. It could be us dads too. And it says, watch out for that habit of constantly nagging. Why? Because it says, lest your kids be discouraged. There's a difference between being discouraged and having a down day, a down week, a bad hair day. They blew it on one event. This is not talking about that. This is a continual state where their spirit is crushed. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.